0: This is Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. My name's Josh. I'm Stephen.
1: And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of American Christianity, and we still keep thinking about how to take it seriously, even as we leave some beliefs behind.
2: We think theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities.
0: We don't have all the answers. But we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. Well, uh, welcome back, you guys. It's good to hear from you guys. I haven't talked to you in like Those a week. Well. What are you guys drinking? I'm two fisting
1: it today. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, yet again. Uh, I have a giant bottle of water, like a huge hydro flask of water. And then I'm also experimenting. There's this new V8 drink that I kind of want to try because I'm kind of slacking on taking in like more fruits and vegetables, which isn't all that great. And this is a tropical punch with like guava and broccoli. And it's actually very delicious.
2: I am back on the peach bubbly and also a very large bottle of water.
0: Uh, I'm rocking a tangerine LaCroix, which is delicious. And we have a sponsor this week, which is our new Patreon supporter, Victoria. So shout out to Victoria for buying one of our drinks this week. We really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank Thank you. you. Before we get into it this week, I just wanted to point out that I think it's amazing that Steven, we just found this out. Steven has never heard of the Lifehouse Everything skit, which Emily and I... We're definitely a part of growing up. So I know for sure it existed in Montana. Steven, yeah. your homework for next week, and anyone else who's listening who doesn't know what this is, is to go to YouTube and watch the Lifehouse Everything skit. Um, it's 12 years old because I just watched it the other night because I just showed it to my roommates for the first time. I would argue this is the best piece of propaganda for Jesus' boyfriend.
2: <gasps> oh. oh.
1: That is such a good, yes, that's so accurate.
0: <laughs> Isn't that accurate? Like I found the yeah. old recording that our youth group did at church camp. I'm pretty sure I was in it like 10 times. I always played the drunk, <laughs> and then I went on to study Alcoholics Anonymous, so I don't <laughs> I don't know if that worked or something. Oh, yeah, that's probably solid. Well, I was solid. the
1: main yeah. girl, and now I'm a pastor,
0: so oh. who knows? Okay, so something worked. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> One of the most epic fight scenes. Steven, it was basically a live music video. Yeah. Okay. All right. So get back to me. Also, I, my girlfriend pointed out that the song can easily be replaced for the skit by using Phil Collins in the air tonight, and it is incredible. Oh, no. Oh, so, no. Emily, you got, you got to watch that. Sync it up, and it works so well.
1: <laughs> oh, I have to now. Um, Only because I... Desperate, like I deeply love Phil Collins. So if that will just enhance the video mm-hmm. or even just yeah. the concept, I will totally do it.
0: I'm not saying it makes it better.
1: I think it would make it better because it is Phil Collins.
0: It's funnier for sure. I'm, it's not less yeah. cringy, but it's funnier.
1: Well, no, it's not going to be less cringy. <laughs> is it somehow Nothing more cringy? Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's pretty equal. It's, you got to watch it. It's crazy. It's cringy okay. in a
1: different way, I'm assuming.
0: Oh. I think by the time you watch it, Stephen, I will have my TikTok finished uh, reviewing my version of the Lifehouse Everything skit. So I will send that to you when it's done.
2: Wow. Yay. All sorts of projects related to this skit yeah. I've never heard of. Look at As us. As oh. you're
1: not busy.
0: <laughs> but moving past the skit, because that's your homework for next week. Um, This week, you guys, I this is my week to bring something to the table. And I was having a hard time coming up with something. There was like several things that I was throwing out there in my mind that I was like, oh, like, do I want to talk about deconstruction? Uh, No, I think I just want to talk about that because everyone else is talking about that. Like, I want to talk about something that, like, is legitimately a question on my mind, like, Mm -hmm. that I'm thinking about, not just, like, a topic that I think is popular or something. So I was, like, (laughs) I was, like, wrestling more with trying to find a question to wrestle with. and
2: That's meta. Yeah, it's very, Yeah.
0: But I was talking to a couple people and I was also looking back at some of my old notes and I was realizing that out of all the things that I have either been thinking about or that I've like written down question wise, like forever ago, the common thread is God's emotions. Oh. And I don't know where we're going to go with this, but that's what I'm thinking about, I guess, is like God's emotions. And I think particularly what types of emotions God seems to have and what emotions we think God doesn't have or like what it means when God's emotions seem like they're contradictory or how that ties into our emotions. My head's kind of all over the place, to be honest. And so I kind of just want your thoughts.
2: What's inspiring the question, Josh? Uh,
0: kind of everything. I think it's really interesting because it's such an abstract topic, but obviously the, the Bible engages with it in really unique narrative hmm. structure, like depicting God's anger or God's joy in people or other people experiencing God's emotions. But I think it's not talked about a lot. Or what I think is really interesting too is people talking about things like God's judgment or God's wrath or something like that. Oh wow. But they yeah. often don't mm. give much commentary on the fact that like those are emotions. And I feel like it just gets phased over. Like emotions. Sure, tend to be. Okay, so maybe we should start with like do you think God experiences emotions? or do you think that god somehow causes emotions or something like that
2: hmm. I mm. am consistently coming back to the belief that god has always been like jesus and that we haven't always known it but now right. in the in the revelation of jesus's life and the stories we have of him we have like a window into what god is like like his personality or their personality um so I mean, like Jesus certainly was full of emotion, through mm, through mm-hmm. many many stories in the Gospels. So I, I think I'd be willing to say God does have emotion, and that we are emotive human beings because we are created in that image.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you think then that uh, Jesus experienced? I like the case example of Jesus. Actually, that's probably the best place to start with this. Uh, Seems do you to be, think yeah. then that Jesus experienced? the full breadth of emotion because he was God or because he was human or both?
2: Hmm. I would say both now, maybe a couple of years ago, I would have said because he was fully human. Like in that, in the theology you have to do with Christology about being 100% God, 100% man, like that, that paradox in that duality of his being uh huh. I think I would have said like he he has to be fully human so that he can experience the full range of human emotion or the full range of human suffering. And I think even Paul and Peter talk about that in a way like he he had to be fully human to fully experience the temptations that we do or the sorrows that we do or even just the annoyances of like having to find a bathroom when you're hiking or something, you know, mm. like <laughs> mm. like he has to be human so that he can relate to us, I think is how a verse in one of the letters of Peter says it. But I mean, like now I guess based on my answer, I'm, I'm tempted to say like God has the full range of emotion and exhibits them through Jesus because we are created in God's image. God has those emotions and, and that's why mm. we do, you know, like he's, he's the spring um, from which all emotion is sourced.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I feel like you could make an argument for that.
2: Yeah, I kind of like
0: that.
1: I am having a hard time answering only because I'm kind of teetering between two schools of thought. Like I'm on one side, I'm with Stephen on this, where I uh, like I full heartedly want to be like, yeah, that's so true. Uh, but then I think about yeah, like Jesus, Jesus and God and and Holy Spirit, like Trinity. Like I think of Godhead, and I'm reminded of mm. impassibility and. I think God as Jesus, yes, experienced and lived in emotion and had emotion. But I don't necessarily know if God as God had emotion. And I think
0: oh. that's what
1: I'm wrestling with. I think God experienced emotion by being Jesus. But I don't know if God as God Wait,
2: though, experienced are you, emotion. Are you saying huh. you need evidence of both Father God and Holy Ghost experiencing Well, I'm just curious
1: because there's a lot, there are a lot of Christian doctrine that would say that God as God doesn't experience like suffering or passions or emotions of that sort. Like that's literally what impassibility is. Mm,
0: Can you give me a quick definition for impassibility? Because I've always heard it summarized as God can't change, quote unquote.
1: No, so it's more like, it's or the theological confusing? doctrine that God does not experience pleasure or pain from the actions of another being.
0: Oh, so it would say that God doesn't experience, consciously, experience suffering or any sort of pleasure.
1: That There are some that say God as a being is very expressive of many or all emotions, um, but then there are others... Um, and there are several actually like the Catholic Church is one that says that God as a being like does not experience suffering or any other emotion at all. I don't see how that
0: holds up with the Bible. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like they had I, to have gotten it from somewhere.
1: I, this has been an, like a debate <laughs> for a very long time. I think if I remember correctly, it's called Nestorianism.
0: Okay. Whoa, I think okay. if I
1: remember correctly... Uh, It's a designation for a lot of doctrines that have set teachings, a lot of it specifically trying to promote God as Godhead and trying to like separate and understanding like different elements of the Trinity. Hmm. So focusing on like the Holy Spirit and then focusing on Jesus and then focusing on God.
0: So do you think then that God experienced some emotions for the very first time by Jesus being on earth? I mean, is that I, what you're saying?
1: I can't like I can't for sure say like, yes, that is so right. True. Right. I think I mean, I who's to say that it's not possible.
0: Sure. That would be a view that holds to impassibility. Yeah. Right.
2: Interesting. I don't I've never heard that before. Emily, you've described a lot of positions of like of other people. What does Emily think?
0: <laughs> that's what I'm
1: saying. I that's why I don't know what to think. I'm <laughs> I'm raveling this out. I'm. I'm on like four fence posts right now. Like sure. I have one hand on one, one hand on the other, a foot on one, and a foot on the other, and I'm trying to decide which one to fall on.
0: Okay, here's here's my hot take for a second. Maybe this yes. will go somewhere. Help, help um, me out, the, Josh. The whole impassibility thing for me it feels like I think we talked about this in our "Don't Put God in a Box" episode about like the council like trying to like put really hard boundaries on what God is and isn't, and mm-hmm. like God is omniscient and all powerful and. Uh impassible, and like trying to put like these human words on God to define God, like that's impassibility just reeks of that to me. Hmm. versus like, to me, when I've experienced the Bible, whether it was growing up or in adulthood, it seems so obvious to me that God is emotional, like God the character in yeah. the Bible, experience emotions even outside Jesus, like God is disgusted with the Israelites. and
1: but could the argument be said that those are human interpretations of God? Like, that's just how we, like, view, but we don't really know if God experienced those emotions.
2: Yeah, I think so. There's, there's something to be said for anthropomorphizing a spiritual God that you can't see directly. Is that the point of impassibility? Is that
0: we somehow think that a God beyond human emotion is somehow, like, the most perfect like, being? Is that where we get that, you think?
1: I think it depends <sighs> on how you define perfect.
0: Right. But, I mean, do you think that that's the motivation? is that like like neoplatonism philosophy influencing like the ideal and the perfect plane well, of existence?
1: Maybe. Okay, so now I'm on another fence. Thanks a lot, Josh. I would say <laughs> yes, but another side of me would say no because if we were to look at how in the gospel the word perfect is used, the word perfect just means complete. And so when I think of like being a complete person, I think a complete person experiences most, if not all emotions. Hmm. Like I feel like if you've never experienced suffering or never experienced love or never experienced joy or sorrow, like I don't really, I'm not saying you're not human, but I think like that's just part of human life is to experience all these range of emotions. And so part of me, I don't know. I'm still torn. I don't know. I I just don't have a solid footing yet, guys. I think
2: part of it that's hard is like if we're, if a council is going to go say something about God, like Josh, bringing it back to your example, how much of that is just people trying to say, well, God must not be like us because he must be holier than us. And we deem like being subject to bouts of anger or tantrums or lust or whatever, you know, like, if we're subject to these emotions that God must not be because we are clearly unholy compared to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like trying to create that negative space by saying, God must not be like this because we feel how messy anger can be, or we feel how, Mm. how like dangerous ecstasy can be. But I think the part that like the Jesus to me right now, that's resonating the most is the, Jesus that's full of emotion, full on weeping at the tomb of Lazarus, like that, like a grieving Christ and a grieving God is a God that I can relate to best right now. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't like that being taken away by something like impassibility saying like it was only because he was human because we have verses like Josh, you've pointed out, like God can be disgusted with the Israelites through the prophets, right? Speaking of his disgust with Israel or we even have a verse in the New Testament that says, like, be careful that you do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Like, all, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. whole yeah. Trinity is involved in experiencing some emotion, at least in the way the language was handed down to us. So, I still want to stand on God is full of emotion because God is like Jesus and we see, uh, we see Jesus full of emotion. And I, th- I think that makes God more relatable because like we experience emotion at the same level maybe but that's also not no, to i totally say, agree with that that's also yeah. not to say i'm equating myself to like oh if god experiences these emotions i must be able to like become god myself at some point sure. either right like i'm not trying to make that equation like bring jesus down a couple pegs so that i can raise a couple pegs and be like look at us we're equal now i think uh, we could uh, be guilty of that but
0: Wait, what do you mean? Why would I don't understand how God understanding or n- like no, feeling no, no. our emotions would?
2: What I what I mean is, I I think maybe something in the back of impassibility, uh, in in the back of their minds is like, if if God is too much like humans, then it we would can be,
1: be too much like God. Exactly, oh, it would be really
2: oh, easy to be like, we must be closer to divinity than we think.
0: I get. Oh, that. I see. You're saying that maybe the way we got. To impassibility was to get away from anthropomorphizing God yeah sure. yes okay right.
1: I think so maybe so I so okay I'm totally camp Stephen okay you got me like sorry I had to bring up other <laughs> points of opinion I, that's just how my brain <laughs> works though but I think maybe what could help in my mind balance this a bit is I think God does experience emotions as we do, but I think God experiences it. In a way that only God can, whereas we experience our emotions in a way that we can and God is able to relate because God is able to see and to recognize, oh, yeah, that's that's anger. But I think God experiences anger in a way that really only God can understand because we're mm. not like God. Like Stephen just pointed out, if if we try to knock God down a few pegs and then we bring ourselves up a few pegs so we're equal, that I think right there is what the difference is, is how we actually experience those emotions that we can only, like God can only experience God's anger and we can experience how we understand anger as a human.
0: Hmm. So I read this book a couple years ago. Now it's this book called unoffendable by Brant Hansen. I'm looking at it right now. It's on my shelf. It's a great book. Totally recommend. It's a very easy read. He basically makes a very good argument for Christians should never be offended. And, if we ever experience anger that we should like move on from it as quickly as we can because god doesn't want us to be angry mm. he comes from it like from a very like jesus centric standpoint and he like addresses the the points about god's anger and how a lot of christians use that as like a well of course like we need to be angry for justice and he's like no you don't need to be angry for justice like jesus advocated for justice several times without
1: being anger. angry like
0: it's not yeah. like a prerequisite Mm. And he like differentiated between like anger and passion and his conclusion about God's anger was more or less God reserves the right to be angry because God is God and can actually experience like true anger or like anger without hurting other people, Hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was something like that. It's been a while since I've read it. But I think that's like kind of an interesting question in my mind because I'm kind of with you, Stephen. Like I think that the depiction of Jesus is really beautiful. Like the anti-violent, the subversive love, the love your enemy. Like it's, it's hard stuff, but it's really beautiful, I think. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like that very emotional side of Jesus is harder for me to reconcile with other emotional depictions of God in the Bible, mm-hmm. whether or not those are like human depictions.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah.
0: Here's the other thing that you made me think of, Stephen. I almost think now that the concept of omniscience and impassibility are at odds with each other because like how could god be like not experience true pleasure or suffering but know our experience like i would argue god can't know our experience if god can't experience those conscious things mm. like i think emotion is tied to consciousness so i don't understand how like it, i guess maybe what people were trying to get at maybe in those definitions was god doesn't experience those things physically but like i think emotion is very much like a conscious experience yeah right
1: that makes sense
0: so i don't understand i guess i just don't understand how like people could conclude that god is somehow beyond emotion but also say god knows our experience and our emotion
2: yeah being all knowing and yet that knowledge is somehow barred from like the emotive aspect of our of our experience and of our consciousness, if he is indeed sharing it, right? Ooh,
0: <sighs> like I think it would be a more alienating view of God to say that God is beyond our emotional experience. Like, to yeah. me, that would almost suggest like a view of God outside the universe, like yeah, a, yeah.
2: A Deism, or like yeah, Watchmaker God, like wind it up, let it go, but otherwise, I have nothing I'm, to do with it. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if impassibility then is rev- is kind of revolving around the idea of, like, what you said, Josh, this physical element of experience. Yeah. And I think God only then was able to because he was Jesus. Like, he came in the form of a man and lived as a human while still being God. And so that right there is also a very interesting experience to think about.
2: But do you really think it was only in the first century that God started feeling those like experiences? Cause we, uh, especially, do I the, really
1: think that? No. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, because
2: we talk in the old Testament about how, oh, there's a word for it where it's like, we're able to theologize about like, this isn't just a straight up angel. This is actually Jesus showing up in the old Testament, like wrestling with Jacob or showing up in the, the furnace with uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. What's that word? Gosh, I'm blanking on it now.
0: But yeah, the angel of the Lord—is that what you're talking about?
2: No, there's a there's a word in theology for when who we think is like actually the second person of the Trinity showing up in the Old Testament. Uh, Oh yeah, you know. I'm blown- yeah, there
0: is a name for it. I can't mm-hmm. remember what the name is though.
2: Somebody is screaming at their I'm phone right
0: now while they listen I'm on to it. our podcast. Um, um, here's an interesting question that I heard this week, kind of going along those lines. yeah. I uh, wasn't done with my point. Oh hold no, on. I'm sorry, you weren't done. Bye-bye. So hold, hold,
2: hold, hold a pin in that question. So like, if if we do think that Jesus is showing up in some sort of phys- physical body to wrestle with Jacob in the Old Testament then who's to say that God hasn't been experiencing the physical dimensions of emotion throughout time and all eternity, but we just we just haven't had that body to interact with until he picked up like a very fleshy version of it? Because we talk about pre-virgin uh, birth Jesus sometimes showing up in the Old Testament, then we talk about New Testament Jesus up to the crucifixion, and then we talk about resurrected body that we... Like there's theology around like, did he just pick up his sixth dimensional body or whatever at the resurrection as well? Because now he can walk through walls and stuff. I don't know.
0: I I, I see your question. No, I I understand what you're saying. It just Um, sounds
2: like there's a physicality to the Godhead even before we have Jesus born in the year zero, you know?
0: I would argue, Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think if someone believes in any sort of omniscient god like a god that can uh experience the entire universe and mm-hmm. know all mm. that there is to know i don't think that you would necessarily have to believe in a physical element of god to believe that god experiences all physical parts of the universe like if god truly can like somehow read our consciousness mm. uh i would think it would logically follow that god can somehow have conscious knowledge and experience of our experience you know what I mean? So like, I kind of liked your point, Stephen, about like, if Jesus reveals what God has always been like, but we haven't always known that, then maybe the, the incarnation has more function to show us what God actually experiences than it does to show, maybe it functions more like that than it does to function as God experiencing the world for God's self. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. I feel like that is logical. I'm glad. <laughs> what was the What was the question I interrupted you on? Oh, yeah. Well, the the question I interrupted you on. Well, I was listening to a podcast this week. um, Not ours. Sorry. I'm seeing other podcasts. That's funny. And the (laughs) the interviewee brought up a really good point about God's hate. And honestly, it just kind of like got me reeling a little bit. So how Mm. do you think God's hate relates to God's love?
2: Mm, Hate the sin, love the sinner, bro. (laughs) (laughs) fart sorry that was low can we bleep fruit? that and make that was... it sound like
0: emily said the f word
2: because <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like you wanted to say it yeah definitely uh, that was way that was low-hanging fruit i'm sorry for that joke god's hate uh, and this kind of gets us accepted. like back in that wrath dimension doesn't it like what do we what do we make of that? If if hatred is an actual thing that God experiences,
0: is that what we're asking? Because I think it's yeah. Because I think it's important to note that like emotion isn't just this like neutral form that like exists in the universe necessarily. It's not like shapes. It's not like we all pick and choose like oh maybe I'm a square, maybe I'm a circle. Like it's not like a it's not like neutral geometry that we just experience, right? Like these are like positive and negative experiences that we consciously consume and exhibit. So like if God experiences emotion, like I think that we have to think about the positive and negative aspects of that. That like just because God can is good doesn't mean God doesn't experience not good emotions. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not quite phrasing that correctly.
2: Yeah, no, you're just saying there's there must be a balance here. Like it's not going to be constant ecstasy, uh, delight. Yeah. Right? Mm. There's going to be... There's a darkness to the light. I mean, which is, I mean, that's all throughout the Bible, right? Um, yeah. Man, I, to be honest, I don't know what to do with the concept of God hating or being wrathful. Cause like, would you agree with the phrase God hates injustice? Y- yes, but hesitantly because I don't like the word hate.
0: <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> but
2: why not? Like,
0: don't you, but like, that's what, I think that's what I'm trying to get at is like, isn't that powerful? That God hates injustice. Mm, mm-hmm. mm. Like, yeah. it's only powerful because it's such a strong emotion, sure. right? Sure.
2: So now I'm getting images of, like, of Jesus driving the temple out, right? Like, upturning tables with a whip and all that. Totally. Um, Man, to be honest, I, I don't feel like I have a lot to say on it because I'm also feeling that level of, like, discomfort. Like, I'm uncomfortable thinking mm-hmm. about God in those terms. Okay, I think that's good to acknowledge, but why do you think that
0: you're uncomfortable with that?
2: Because, uh, so like, I think the way hatred manifests itself in humanity might be different than the way God experiences it and uh, potentially uses it for God's own devices. Mm. I think human hatred manifests itself in genocide and in war
1: and all the isms of the world really uh, i mean racism correct. sexism correct
2: you know. which i think what makes that uncomfortable is at the root of hatred is some like some desire to discriminate or separate and draw lines between us them uh, a lot of separation whereas wh- where i am with god right now is that i i think all god has ever been doing is trying to reconcile all of mm. the world to God's self,
1: I think it really depends on how you're using the word hate like I remember I I had I just finished my sermon series at my church on love um so I started with love your enemy love your neighbor, love yourself, and staying in love with God and in one of the sermons I talked about the word love and you know like I love Chinese food like anyone who knows me knows I love Chinese food and I also love my husband, but I don't love them in the same way, but we still use that word to show or demonstrate how much we have this desire of or for something or someone. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah, and so like in the Greek language, there's four types of love. And so I think hate Mm -hmm. is another one of those words where like, I hate when I stub my toe, but I also hate sexism, but I don't hate them equally.
2: Mm, This is a great point.
1: I'm going to hate sexism a lot more than hating stubbing my toe. Okay. And so I think- the way we approach hate is the same how we approach just love.
2: That is a fantastic point, Emily. Do we know if there are multiple words for like when English word hate shows up in our translated Bibles?
1: I'm on it. But I also have your other term for you, oh, I think. Yeah. Christophany.
2: Yes. My goodness. You just closed the loop You're that welcome. was
1: bothering
0: me. I do think that's a good point. But I think regardless of, like, the strength of the word or the type of hate, I think that we still have to, like...
1: No, I think that does seriously... matter.
0: No, no, it's... I agree. But I think we still have to seriously reckon with God hating things. Because, right. like, that's written about in the Bible. And to be honest, that's what, like, threw me off so much from this interview I was listening to. I was with, with this author, uh, AJ Swoboda, and um, he is very, like, obviously conservative. Like, they were talking about that on the... On the podcast. And, but he's obviously a Christian, but he was kind of bringing up the charge of like, we like get away from, like, we focus a lot on God's love, but people don't love to talk about things God hates because, like, that can be such a triggering thing for people. Like, that has obviously been used in very abusive ways. Like, mm-hmm. Stephen, you brought up, like, even the Bible, it's like used for genocide. And I think sometimes it can be hard to parse out those, like, more negative emotions of God, but still reconciling that with the way that's been used to harm people.
2: So here's an extra sure. layer of complication, even to my own uh, discomfort around hatred is like, you know, because I, I do think that the overarching uh, narrative is reconciliation. So, but what do we do when Jesus, when he's calling his disciples is telling them like, you have to put everything down. You have to uh, like, he literally says, unless you hate your, like your mother and your brother, you can't fully follow me. I don't know. Again,
1: I think uh, that's what I mean. I think it depends on the word that is being used. So we as humans have the word hate. And that's like we can use it to describe various levels of which we detest something. But I think it really depends on the word that's actually being used and the meaning behind that specific word. Because I would argue and I'm still looking into it, but I would argue the word hate or wrath or anything that's used in the context of God speaking or someone referring to God hating something is going to be different than the word hate that's used from a human's point of view.
2: Mm, okay.
1: And I'm still looking into it, so. Yeah,
2: so what you got me thinking now is we, when we talk about human love, like we talk about the four loves in Greek, uh, we also talk about how the love of God is so much more exaggerated than what a human has, like, the capacity to feel, right? Mm-hmm. So now... Now what's wigging me out is that if we're using words like hatred, like what kind of hatred is God capable of that even humans can't comprehend?
0: Yeah. You mean like if we only ever experience like a fraction of the possible Mm -hmm. emotion?
2: Right. If we only experience a fraction of what God experiences in love, couldn't the same be true for like we only experience a fraction of what God experiences in hate or hatred, wrath, anger?
0: Yeah, I see what you're saying. But one thing you made me think of with, along with the hatred thing that I'm kind of just mulling over for the first time is that I would argue that God doesn't hate people. God only ever hates, uh, actions. Oh, which I I hate how much that sounds like love the sinner, hate the sin. I really hate that. It (laughs) does. But like, uh, I don't know. I haven't like done a study of how many times the Bible says the word hate and like how God hates things. But like the examples I can think of off the top of my head are God telling Israel, like, I hate that you do this or, like, Jesus saying to the money changers, like, I hate that you are changing money in the temple. Like, he's not... Yeah, he's speaking like, to the
1: action, not the person.
0: Yeah, he... Yeah, what God... Or what Jesus isn't commanding is, uh, like, all money changers and tax collectors should be rounded up and sent to their nearest <laughs> concentration camps. Like, God... Wow. Like, Jesus clearly doesn't hate the people, but God, in the Bible, does seem to display hate for certain actions. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a five-star rating and a review, which helps others find the show. If you'd like to leave us a longer message, our email address is theravelpod at gmail.com.
1: If you find this conversation valuable, please tell a friend about the show in person with the text, or by sharing about the show on social media. You can join us on Instagram and Twitter at RavelPod.
2: Thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color, off his album, Here. Find his work on Spotify and Bandcamp. And remember to subscribe to Ravel so that you never miss a new episode. Thanks for listening.
1: Here's a thought. So we see love and I agree, I think we only understand or comprehend like a fraction of this love, this agape. So what if instead of looking at hate, then it'd be like, oh my goodness, like we only experience a fraction of, you know, God's hate or wrath. Let's turn that word or our understanding of that word into hate meaning to love less. So you're Taking uh, away rather than adding. So to say like God hates injustice would mean that God loves injustice less than God loves justice. And I think there's still powerful meaning behind it, but we're not now looking at it from this like doom and gloom lens. And I'm not, I don't want to entirely take away the doom and gloom lens either. Yeah. But I think that might help round a bit, you know, like God loves us, but God loves less the actions that we have towards people.
0: I would it be better to, like, frame it in terms of desire, like God wants injustice or God wants justice, but does not want injustice. Yeah. Is that clearer? Because I don't love the phrasing. For some reason, God likes less. But for some reason, the desire phrasing makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, whatever I mean, whatever usage is most comfortable. I just think of loving more, loving less as, as something mm. in my brain to to wrestle with. Like, I know lo- lo- God loves it more when we're thriving. God loves it less when we're suffering.
2: I think that's true. Like, I'm picturing this on a number line, and if love is 10 and hatred is negative 10, I hear what you're saying, Emily, and just say, like, instead of negative 10, the word hate now is, like, a one. And it's, yeah. like, it's still positive, but it's not, it hasn't crossed the zero boundary, and it's not negative. I hear what you're tr- you're trying to do, but I don't think that is what we get to do. Like, with, there are verses, like, in, in Proverbs... Uh, There's uh the Lord hates these five sins. You know, there's six things he detests or whatever. Or even in the writings of some of the apostles, they talk about like God opposes the proud. Like it, it is actual negative action. Mm. It's not just mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. less on your side if you're proud. It's like it's actually God yeah. like throwing a stiff arm and saying, no, like <laughs> I oppose you in this. I'm going yeah. the Did opposite way. Did you just way. say throwing a state farm? No. Stiff arm stiff arm oh my gosh throwing it yeah jake from state farm throw a jake that's from what state i thought farm. you said oh my
0: gosh no i see i agree with steven emily that like i think it's really powerful
1: yes i do agree i'm wondering if it's again the word that is being used yeah
2: mm, mm-hmm. again
1: you know what i mean so we, again, we can't like we can be situational because of the context and we can look at the word that is being used. So in that situation, yeah, I don't think it's meaning to love less or to just be like, eh, like, meh, whatever. I think it is a strong detest of something like to strongly. Yeah. Like with every fiber of your being detest. But I think in other parts, there could be elements that is saying like, I really don't like it this much when you do this. And again, maybe it's this whole range of emotion that we just don't know. We really don't comprehend. I think that's We'd-
2: possible. Two things is now I have the image of God vomiting out the Church of Laodicea in Revelation, like in that disgust uh, and in that oh. right. Like we have those images too. <laughs> 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 I love this idea though of maybe just the words aren't there, and there's an emotion that we can't quite put our our finger on. You know, like. We talk about, like, the Germans have a word for the pleasure you get when you witness someone else's pain. And we don't, mm-hmm. we don't have an English word for it, and it's schadenfreude. And, like, we have to use another culture's context in order to, like, translate that roughly into what we feel. Like, there was a fantastic mm-hmm. Invisibilia episode called Emotions where an anthropologist actually like basically discovered a brand new emotion that us Westerners do not feel and is even really hard to describe, but she found it in this, I think it was an African tribe. Just go listen to it. You can fact check me by listening to it. But this concept of there are even human emotions out there that depending on what culture you're raised in and where you socialized, like you don't even feel what others can feel raised in a different culture. So like the disparity between even different human cultures and the emotions they have words for and the, the way they've been able to pinpoint them, Uh, like how many more emotions are we not able to experience right now? Like we don't have the receptors Mm, for it. You know, like a good analogy is how we see everything on like the Roy G Biv spectrum. Whereas like a mantis shrimp can see like 136 colors, right? Yeah. Two
0: things. You, Steven, I don't remember if this was in the invisibility episode because I think I've listened to that one. But you made me think of the like quote unquote universal emotions that currently there's. It's kind of in debate, like whether it's five or seven, but it's pretty documented that there's only like a small amount of quote unquote universal emotions, like, and that's based off of facial expressions. Like, no matter like what culture you come from or like what language you have, you can pretty much guarantee that most people experience and can recognize, that's very important, that you can recognize disgust, fear, happiness, sadness, stuff like that. Um, So you made me think of that. Here's a question, though. Do you find more comfort in, or slash are more attracted to, the idea that God experiences like a greater depth of emotion than we do, or do you find more comfort in the idea that God can experience our emotion? Oh. Because I find more comfort in that. Like, I feel like I was raised with that and actually really like that idea that God mm-hmm. is like this great empathetic other that actually emotionally knows what we are going through. Wow. Sure.
2: Yeah. I think I would probably answer the same way just because, again, like a grieving Jesus in John is like my favorite Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus right now. And it's not Jesus putting on display like this is how deep grief can feel at the death of a loved one. I think he is embodying and uh, setting an example like he's doing for his entire ministry. He's saying like, this is what has been available to you this whole time. And he's just like putting it on display. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. so I really do think it like his grief and just weeping with Mary and weeping at the tomb and like just like groaning pissed off at the fact that death can touch the ones he loves. Mm -hmm. That is something I've felt. It's almost in a way like I read that Jesus giving me permission to feel that that deeply and not him showing like I'm God and I experience this even worse than you do.
1: Oh, sure. You know? In chaplaincy we would call that the wounded healer. Um the images of a pastoral care provider. Oh. Um there are 17 images that are used. Um and the wounded healer is the one that I most identify with. It's where like you are able to utilize your emotions and your experiences to console or to be present with others who are experiencing a very similar situation, but you're careful to not turn the situation back on you and to say, Oh, well, I've gone through this too. Let me tell you about my experience. Rather. It's just Mm. saying, Hey, I can truly empathize with you in this moment. Like
2: that is really, this is not,
1: this is not a one upping. This is not a compared contrast. This is just me being present truly because I have experienced emotions in a way that you are experiencing and although our situations are unique we can be in this constant state presently together yeah so that i mean that right like jesus definitely wounded healer absolutely yeah i
2: like that because even Mm -hmm. even in that same story i've always heard sermons on this passage as he approaches the tomb where martha meets him first and says like if you had only been here we could have avoided this and Jesus is empathetic enough to know that Martha doesn't need him to like break down there. She actually Mm -hmm. needs him to be strong and encouraging and model the faith that he knows she needs. But then Mary approaches and says almost verbatim the same thing, if not verbatim. And all he does is cry with her because he knows that's what she needs. I love that. That's very good. This wounded healer, what a gift.
0: So you do feel more comfort with the idea that God experiences your emotion
1: i think if we're to have this idea of god being present with us then yeah absolutely
0: so then does it not matter for you as much than if god experiences a greater emotion than you like if god feels a bigger version of hatred or a bigger version of disgust or a bigger version of love like does that not have as much power for you then because i don't think it
2: does for me I wonder if it's a both and here though, because like coming back to our prayer episode, we talked about how prayer, at least for the three of us, prayer is more built for us to mold ourselves in the likeness of Jesus rather than us just like making requests and finishing our grocery list. So if we're, if we're constantly and consistently crafting our hearts through prayer into being more like Jesus, I, I, I think things start opening up. Like. I'm not threatened by the fact that God feels love deeper than I do. But so like yesterday I was at a wedding and the pastor was talking about how the beginning of your dating and your courtship and your engagement is like is all based on a feeling. Like you're feeling a lot of uh, even chemicals like flood through your body and like the first few years of marriage can feel that feel like that. But as you start nearing like three decades, four decades, five decades, the love has taken on a new form and the love has taken Mm -hmm. on a deeper like. Abiding and more covenantal form than just being like crazy horny around each other, you know. (laughs) And I think that's what following Jesus can be like as well. So I'm not threatened by the fact that He feels love in a greater way. I'm just here for the ride, trusting that at the end of my life on Earth, I I might be able to experience love just a little bit more like He does. Do you
0: think then that we cause emotion in God? As beings or do you think that God only experiences emotion like through our emotion like if God can truly empathize Mm. like in the truest way because God can like actually understand what I can feel in a way that you cannot Mm. or do you think that we somehow cause God additional emotion somehow
1: my mom has a I don't know if it's a sign or like a poster or something or a plaque maybe she got it as like a funny gift, but it's um, our family is God's favorite reality TV show.
2: Um, (laughs) I like that.
1: Where I would, I would just imagine like if God was to like be a being that sat in front of the TV, AKA the universe and was flipping through the channels and just came across the Shelton family, like what ordeals God would see. And I wonder like, (laughs) yeah, what would God laugh hysterically? Would God throw the remote and be like, what the F are you doing? Like, I think a part of me has comfort in thinking that if God is present with me, then I, I would hope that I cause or stir some emotions in God because I know when I'm around other people, they stir emotions in me. Like, that's like how we connect. Like, there's an element in connection that is present when we are stirred by other people. So hate, for example when I see injustice or sexism or xenophobia in the world, like that is stirring an emotion within me. I didn't just sit there and decide like, I think right now is a good time to just be hateful. You know, there's something outside (laughs) of me that is stirring, you know, as much like maybe I'm sitting and as much as I want to be happy, there's just something right there that's going to stir a little bit of something else in me. And I would hope that if God is present in my life and in my reality that I would stir some emotions in God. I would hope because that would truly mean Mm. that God is present and constant with me.
2: I can't get the image of the prodigal son returning home out of my head now. Like I, I, the prodigal son returning undoubtedly stirred such delight and such excitement in the father, like, you know, abandoning his front porch and like meeting him on the road in a rather undignified way, just all here to celebrate the fact that his son has returned. But now Josh, you have me thinking of some like stoic philosophy, which would essentially say like Mm. other people don't make you angry, but like you, you are choosing to let that anger manifest and that's what makes you appear Mm -hmm. angry. But like you can experience the emotion and choose not to react to it in a way that would fit what you're feeling. So I, I, to take the prodigal son story further, I would imagine the father would feel some disappointment, a little bit of annoyance and anger when the older son, when the party is going on, is like, What the hell? Like, I was here this whole time and you're not like throwing me a feast. And I would imagine the father did feel a little bit of like, Are you serious? Like, I have to do this. I like, <laughs> Come on. <man. laughs> you're the one having the problem right now. <laughs> like, why can't you just enter our joy? Why can't you choose our joy? That your brother is returned like you're making it about yourself again, but he still responds in a gracious way and says, like, I have always been with you and everything I have is yours. didn't think I need to needed to say that out loud. But here we are, you know, so like I think that really does show the father in that story. I'm imagining there's a lot of emotions there and the way he's choosing to show them is God teaching us something about the way we should navigate our emotions as well. I think one of the things
0: that I think is so interesting about this whole intersection of like the divine and like the greatest possible being somehow also experiencing emotions and that also intersecting with God experiencing our emotions as like finite human beings. I think what's so interesting to me in all of this is that for some reason, at least in the American church, I don't know how the rest of the world does this, but I feel like there's such an emphasis on trying to argue for being a christian like from an emotional standpoint Mm. like god loves you Mm. like really emphasizing that but like i don't feel like i heard much or even like i mentioned earlier i do feel like i was handed the idea of god somehow being like the great empathizer like god knows what you're going through sure more than anyone else does and to be honest i think that that's reasonable and really attractive but I feel like in all of that, there was not much commentary on what it means for God to even experience emotion. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I don't feel like I heard much talk around that, even though like emotion, it's talked about all the time in church. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just feel really annoyed at that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> As well, you should. Yeah, you deserve it. Hold on to that if you need to. But like, why does that happen? You know what I mean? Because like, there's obviously so much emotion in the Jesus story. There's obviously so much emotion in the Bible and like God's emotions, like God's love, God's hatred, like no matter what angle you're coming from, they're talked about all the time. And I feel like people just skirt past the fact that like God experiences emotion. You know what I mean? I don't know why it
2: happens, to be honest. I don't know what we're afraid of.
0: Like, are we afraid of a
2: God who feels? Well, it might be. It might, it might come down to like, if, if God feels, then he's more like us than we uh, think god is you know uh especially in a theology that you know like worm theology or being handed the necessity of you are just a worthless menstrual rag in front of god you know like thanks isaiah what a beautiful image
0: oh beautiful such beauty oh my gosh <laughs> but
2: like if if you're just a worthless like used wash rag before god and also god experiences emotion like what does that mean about God? If you believe so intently that you are filthy in some way, mm. w- are we afraid of God entering that muck? And maybe, maybe that's like because human emotion is a m- messy. It's it's a messy business. So I've yeah. heard. Maybe we're just we're just bothered by the fact that God is willing to get messy.
0: Well, Stephen, you mentioned this earlier, even though I don't think you said it quite like this, but you were like talking about us anthropomorphizing God, and I do think it's a good thing to point out that sometimes we project our emotions onto God. Like if someone is really harping on the fact that they think God feels something, it probably means that they feel that thing. Oh, like, yeah. your, like your example about like the, like worm theology and like menstrual cloth syndrome. I think we should call it that. A syndrome. Um, yeah. Like if someone is really harping that, it probably means that they really feel that. Totally. Like yeah. if they really feel like, and are talking about, God sees people as pieces of shit, it's
2: because they view those people as pieces of shit. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah. Or there's
2: so much self-loathing that they view themselves as a piece of shit.
0: Sure. Also, yeah, also there.
2: Yeah, I think that's
0: very fair that we turn it back on ourselves. But uh, I think you kind of bring up a good point about like with considering God's emotions, we run the risk of projecting our own view, our own emotional views onto God. Right.
2: Yeah, I think that's true. I just think we have at least slight permission to do that because Jesus models some of the emotions that we get all tangled up in too.
0: Yeah. Okay. So maybe that's why like they came to that view of impassibility in the first place was so that we could just like cut that risk off. Like, no, no, no. God doesn't feel that. God Mm. is beyond pleasure. God is beyond suffering. He's something. God is something beyond what we experience and therefore like nip that emotional projection in the bud. See, do you feel like, do you feel like that accomplishes that? Maybe I don't I know. think it may in maybe their
2: it mind. Strives
1: but, to, but if it does entirely, I don't think so. Maybe.
2: Well, and to me, like we talked about, the Watchmaker God or the Deistic God who like winds everything up and lets it go. Yeah, I'm not interested in following such a cold, detached mm-hmm. uh, deity. You know, like I'm. I'm not interested in that. What I'm. What I'm particularly interested in, and why I still call myself a Christian even after so much question making over the last few years, is because. Jesus gives us Eucharist. Like he makes the human body a holy thing by himself and by sharing Eucharist with his disciples and with us millennia later, we're acknowledging the goodness that the human body brought. Like that's what I think the incarnation does as well. And I think he's actually making the mess of things that we have here on earth. Like he's making that the holy thing and not the holy thing is some detached uh, realm in the sky like we even see that in revelation like the the holy place comes down to earth in revelation like the city descends upon the new earth that we don't well, like we get i mean i i don't know uh, apocalypticism yeah. is ap- apocalyptic whatever that word is um that gets weird because you, you even have paul like saying like we get caught up in the clouds and we raise and we have jesus's ascension but by the end of the story it sure seems like everything is everything comes back down and like what we think is mundane or what we think is simply earthly is actually holy the whole time.
1: I think to go even further, you know, I've had a lot of parishioners and friends, you know, speak of God as like a puppet master where Uh, God is still present, but God is like moving the strings of our life. And we are just these puppets that are attached and have no, freedom or or means of independence
2: like Um, a calvinistic like predestination type yeah okay
1: exactly and i think it's one of those things where no god is like really present like with us right in a sense that not controlling the reins as a puppet master and not just winding up the watch and letting it go Mm. but like truly present with us
2: see and yeah exactly that's that's the god i want to follow it's not the god that is the puppet master or the watchmaker that appeals yeah. to me. That's that's why I remain in the Christian tradition because Jesus Christ is so messy. He's so human that I'm like, oh damn. Like <laughs> I can relate to this God, you know?
1: So is faith, though. Like all religions are messy. Like, there is not one religion that has everything completely figured out and perfectly in a box, like, because that's a human concept and understanding. And so yeah, I think when we get into these heated debates about God or Christianity or whatever, it's it's still human behind it. Like These are still humans debating human understandings and concepts of something that is greater than. But what we hope we can all agree on is having a God that is present with us and experiencing this with us, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that seems more attractive to me. Than the fact that Christianity is messy and human like. I find more uh, robustness in God experiencing everything. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm going to use a big word here, but I promise I will define it. Like, to me, that's what seems so interesting about panentheism, not Mm. pantheism, not God the universe, but God is somehow, like the universe is somehow within God, kind of like Paul talks about in Christ is in all and sustains all. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That somehow, Like, if you imagine a donut, like, the universe is somehow within God, but God is greater than the universe. And I feel like that is what impassibility is trying to get at, maybe, that there's somehow, like, we need to somehow point us towards the fact that God is beyond us, and God is beyond the universe, Mm -hmm. and greater than our consciousness. But not completely
1: cutting the ties, though, per se.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I still am really attracted to the idea that God experiences our experience. Yeah. And knows our experience, truly. I think that is what keeps me in faith more than the fact that Jesus is messy. Not to discredit you, Stephen. Like, I I, I don't want to try to, like, invalidate that you feel that that is
2: powerful for you. I think we're saying the same thing with just different words. Well, that's probably. That's
1: how unique (laughs) it is for us. That's the thing is, you know, if we have this concept of being made in God's image, Josh looks and lives nothing the same way that Stephen does. And you guys don't live or act or be in the same way that I am. But we all have this unifying constant of knowing that God is still present in each of our experiences mm, mm-hmm. and is able to be present and authentically do so with us.
0: In some ways, it makes me think of some people have conceptualized of God as like the ultimate other, right? Like you've probably heard mm, that. Yeah. yeah. It, this conversation almost makes me feel like that can be true, but also God is somehow the great non other like God is so next to our experience that it's almost like this is (laughs) I'm going to run the risk of (laughs) getting close to what Stephen was warning against earlier like (laughs) careful (laughs) like it to me it almost seems like if God does experience emotion and God does experience our emotion and like our experience it seems to me like God is the closest to ourselves that can be experienced more mm-hmm. so than you can experience me. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I like, like almost that. like God is the ultimate other, but also the ultimate non other. Like God that. is so close to our experience that God experiences it, but is not us. I think
2: Yeah. to put that in other language, Josh, you're describing the indwelling Holy spirit.
0: Oh, oh yeah. I guess you're right. Whoops. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess so. Am I though?
2: Yeah, I think. So.
0: I yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think. I I guess I only am if you conceptualize the Holy Spirit indwelling all beings, which I also believe. So, mm-hmm. like, which you do believe, but not everyone believes that. I so know, I think you're I right know. in the sense
2: that <laughs> you you do believe that, <laughs> <laughs> which is very panentheistic of me. So,
0: if there's one thing um, we've I think. I think you could make sense of it, too, as, like, the Imago Day, like, if you believe that humans are somehow made in God's image. Absolutely, yes. And God is all-knowing. Like, I think you can also make sense of it that way,
2: right? Yeah, like, coming back to that Genesis 1 and 2 original blessing before original sin. Like, we have that imprinted on us somehow already. Just the fact that we breathe. Like, breath is sacred, and breath is messy, and breath can spread coronavirus if we're not careful. You know, like... Mm-hmm. That's 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 what I love about like being human and attempting to follow Christ in the best way I I see possible because it is messy. Like I'm coming back to that word because uh, breath is the thing that gives Adam's body animation, right? And it comes directly from source. Like capital S source.
0: I think you guys would really like that unoffendable book. I'm, I know I'm, I know Dixie would love that so much. Like he brings up like how he doesn't think anger is a fruit of the spirit. But also, now that I'm thinking about it, I guess the other fruit of the spirit aren't necessarily emotions, are they? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I guess some of them
2: are.
1: Or states of being, yeah.
2: Hmm. <laughs> what is emotion? Right at the end of the episode, what is emotion anyway? <laughs> oh.
0: Actually, I think that's a great question. We probably should have started there. Um No, so- duh. Maybe we should play this episode in reverse. Like, this is our Pink Floyd album. No, Um, no. I think that emotion is sort of a state of being. Like, it is tied to consciousness. And I think that's why we should conclude that God experiences emotion is because I do think it is a state of being. Yeah. But I think that that also, I think you also therefore have to conclude that emotion is ever-changing and fleeting like, there's a dynamicness to emotion. We, mm. we don't just, like, sure. pick up one and put it down and, like, shift instantaneously.
2: It's like the movie Inside Out. Like, you can't always feel happy all the time. Sometimes happy and sad get, like, blended into the same orb, you know? Yeah.
0: Or, like, uh, the great philosopher of the vision put, um, what is grief but love persevering? <laughs> oh, wow. Like, like they, they are all wrapped up together, so... But Emily, not to just like double back on like everything we've said, but like I I did really like your point about like it does matter about the strength of the words that we use to describe Mm, things mm -hmm. like there are different levels of love. There are different levels of hatred. Like obviously some hatred is worse than others. And I do think that that is a good distinction. So I do think when defining emotion that that is a very key point of it.
1: Just something that we need to be mindful of. Um, And I think that goes I think that. Even goes further when we try to explain how God is present in our life, like how people define God being present is going to be different than how we define God being present. And that in itself, mm. again, is just language being used to try to describe something that may be really hard to define. And that's OK, too.
0: OK, well, speaking of us projecting onto God's emotions, what emotion of God do you relate to the most right now?
1: Right now?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Grief. I'm there. I mean we like the, mm. the story is in the prayer that's episode, real. but my goodness, a grieving Christ is absolutely the Christ that mm. I need right now. Mm. So mine's totally empathy.
0: Like I just like keep relating to says
2: the Enneagram nine.
0: <laughs> yeah, nice. Hey, hey. Yep, basically. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> maybe that's why I like the book Undefendable so much. It's because <laughs> I don't want to be angry. I don't know. There you go. Maybe that's reading into it too much. Um yeah. no, I really do like the idea of God experiences all of my emotions and all of everyone's emotions and actually truly knows just as well as I do what it's like to go through what I'm
2: going through. Mm.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: And not just because Jesus lived it, even though I do think that that's a powerful depiction, but because God actually knows.
2: Well, you, Emily.
0: Try not to get emotional.
1: (laughs) Um, It's okay if you do. I would say, and I'm going to say, yeah, like is like unconditional love right now. And I would say that because I am on the other end of of what Stephen and Dixie are experiencing. And I am, you know, currently pregnant. And this is something that I have never what I never thought I actually would ever experience. Um, Hmm. But there's a there is something in a process that's happening within me that. I have no control over and yet at the same time all control over in a really Mm, bizarre way yeah and i am experiencing love that is just so profound and you know limitless and transcendent that i don't know if i ever will experience in the same way again and you know, there's a lot of changes happening, and yet with that, it's this deep, deep love of this unborn baby, um, mm. little Thea, that I am just ready to meet. <laughs> I'm ready to meet her.
0: It just blows my mind that, like, other people have felt that before, and therefore God has felt that all before.
1: I know, but mm. that's just so
0: crazy. But to me, that's so powerful. Hmm. Thanks for thinking about this with me, you guys. I don't know if I came to like any new conclusions or anything, but I think the thinking about this is so interesting. This
1: was really nice to process. Good, good. Yeah.
2: If you would like to process with us, you can join our new friend, Victoria, in our Discord server if you become a patron at yeah, patreon.com yeah. slash ravelpod. Uh, Victoria, we're looking forward to meeting you in Discord and getting to know you a bit, like join our episode discussions back in that little community. If you listening would like to join the community as well, you know where to do it. There'll be links in the show notes.
0: Also, if you would like to support us, but uh, you don't feel like you can financially do that right now, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference. And we love uh, hearing what you think, especially on uh, our social medias. I think we already mentioned it uh, in the middle break there, but um, we do do discussion posts every week. And it is really interesting to hear what other people think about these issues they get
1: pretty lit so if you want to just join (laughs) in on the fire uh we encourage you to do so
0: emily will you uh take us out of this then
1: sure whether it's hate love grief joy disgust sorrow angst pride Things that we are trying to grasp in how to define or experience God. Just know that whatever we see or look or feel, God is present with us in our everyday unique experiences, and that is a journey that we all are embarking on together.